Blog Talk Radio. We now continue our study in the series Control Your Luck, treating upon the idea of how to control your life, your luck, and your circumstances. The title of today's lesson is an interrogatory sentence. Dumb luck or science? And repeat the question after me. Dumb luck or science? Which am I going to live by? And in this lesson, I'm giving you a three-part technique for getting what you want. The first text is from the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, the second chapter, the second verse. And I want you to repeat it after me. Thunder it back at me, in fact, as I shall read it. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain, write the vision, make it plain, write your dreams, write your good desires, write what you want to be. To do and to have. Make it plain. Write your goals. Make them plain. The next text is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter, the 51st verse. These are the words of Jesus to the blind man that I love to talk about with a fair degree of regularity. Blind man who was crying after Jesus as he passed by in a great healing and blessing crusade. He had heard that there's a man going around making the lame walk, the dumb talk, the blind to see and the deaf to hear. One day he heard this great noise. He heard a great crowd. And he said to those around him, well, what is all of this noise that I hear? What is all of this rejoicing that I hear? I believe I hear some hallelujahs. I believe I hear some glory to God. What is all of this? They said to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to hush him up, but he was the one that had the need. And as they tried to hush him up, he cried the more. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But he really wasn't being very specific. Finally, Jesus said, bring him over here. Jesus said these words that we're reading for our text. These four words I choose from Jesus' response to the blind man who cried for mercy. And I'm going to have you thunder them back at me. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Now, I want you to say it word by word. What do I want? Again, what do I want? All right. When you get home, take a whole piece of paper and let that be the heading. What do I want? And we're talking about living 
by science rather than by dumb luck. Learn how to live not by dumb luck, but by science and knowledge. Knowledge of the law, the law, the law of mind, the word of God. You don't have to live by dumb luck. So say with me, I don't have to live by dumb luck. Now, you know, the people who really depend on luck, they really don't want to take responsibility for making their lives what they want it to be. They don't want to take responsibility for themselves, but you can live by science, by knowing. The word science comes from the original Greek word, ginoski, or ginoski, which means to know. You can know what you want, and you can know how to get it, how to be it, to do it, and to have it. And that's what we're talking about today. I discovered some very interesting statistics. 75% of the people do not know what they want. I have discovered that perhaps the most confusing question to ask a person is, what do you want? Try it sometimes on somebody who's complaining. Well, things are not going right. I don't have this. I don't have that. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that, but things didn't work out. Blah, 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 and boo, boo, boo. Well, just stop and cut right there and say, well, what do you want? I told you this some time ago. We were at a very luxurious French restaurant in Beverly Hills, and there were several people sitting at the table with me. And they brought out those big menus with some of everything on it that heart could desire. And one young man sat there and looked at that menu that had every suggestion almost imaginable on it. And finally, when it was his time to give his order, and the captain said to him, what do you want? He looked up bewildered and said, I don't know what I want. I want every one of you to know that life hands you a menu. Say with me, the menu of life is in my hand. Say it again, the menu of life is in my hand. And you see, God has placed the menu of life in your hand. Somewhere in the Old Testament, God says, Behold, I set before you both good and evil, death and life. And Joshua said, What? Choose you this day. I say the greatest cause for people not getting what they want is that they do not make a direct choice, a definite, positive choice. The menu of life is in your hand. And Jesus said to the blind man in the text we just read, What do you want that I should do unto you? I hear you praying. You see, that's another thing. Prayer that is not definite and positive is not good enough. It's a beautiful habit to go to church and, and to practice your various religious rituals that help you. But you must have a sense of direction. What are you doing it for? It isn't even enough to call Jesus unless you know your purpose. See, even the blind man was praying without a specific purpose stated except for mercy, which is rather general. We all need it every once in a while. But you've got to be specific because you can't eat mercy for breakfast. As I say, mercy is good. We all need it. 
And Jesus was really saying to the man who was praying, have mercy on me. He was really saying to the man, you ain't said nothing yet. And the text, Jesus brought the man to a point of decision, a point of choice. And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And the Bible said, then Jesus touched his eyes and he received his sight. But he didn't get his prayers answered until he became definite and positive. Seventy-five percent of the people don't know what they want. This is a pathetic class who is dependent upon dumb luck. Well, I hope my luck holds out. And you look at other people who are definite and positive and who work toward what they want, both mentally and otherwise, and say, I wish I was that lucky. Lucky? You've got to be definite and positive in your choice. Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter and the 15th verse. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. In other words, the menu of life is in your hand. Say that. The menu of life is in my hand. It's all set before you. You can be poor or you can be rich. If you want to be poor, don't blame anybody else. Just go on and be poor and don't complain. I'll never forget at Lovely Hill Baptist Church when I was a little boy. Lady sang the song, You've got to live forever somewhere either with the angels in heaven or the demons in hell. I made my choice. And I thought about that, and I think about that from time to time. Whenever fear or irritation or aggravation or negative emotions come to my mind. You see, because the demons in hell are not under the ground. The demons in hell are right in your mind. The heaven and hell are in you. Where you can choose either one. And I decide right there, I am not going to live with the demons of fear. I'm not going to live with the demons of irritation and aggravation. I'm going to live with the angels in heaven. And who are the angels? They're God's thoughts in the mind. The thoughts of good. Thoughts of health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, yes, and that good old money. That's what I'm going to live with. And you see, every man, every mind has to live forever somewhere. The choice is yours. You've got to make a choice. What do you want? Well, I would like to be prosperous, but get your butt out of the way. <laughs> and that's what people have been doing. They've been just bucking their good away from you. Pick up that tape out before you go home by Reverend Ike. Get your butt out of the way and make a decision. Live by science, not by dumb luck. Now, here's another 15% of the people who know what they want, but they don't write it down. They're too busy working their butts off to work their minds. But to work the behind without working the mind is not very productive. That is so good, I'm going to say it again. Are you with me? Repeat it after me. To work the behind without working the mind is not very productive. I don't have time to write it down. You'd better stop and write it down. Now, there are 7% of the people who know what they want and they write it down. And the upper 3% of the people who get what they want do three things. If you want to be successful, study successful people and practice monkey see, monkey do. And that's all right as long as monkey sees the right thing 
and monkey does the right thing. You just be sure that monkey sees the right thing and that monkey does the right thing. And I'm a believer in studying successful people, prosperous people, happy people. And to go behind that and say, hey, what principles is this person? What are the principles this person is using? You see, because it's not just dumb luck. There's principle behind it. The upper 3% of the people who get what they want do three things. Number one, what? They know what they want. People who go out to drill oil wells, there is no doubt about it. They know exactly what they want. I read the one time that most people are definite and positive is just usually when they go to the bathroom. Why? Because they know exactly what they have went to do. There's no doubt about it. They know exactly what their purpose is. So you think about this every time. You see, you can use that experience. <laughs> so that's a mundane experience. But it's a mundane experience that you can make something positive out of from now on. Every time you go there, it says, now I know exactly what I've come here to do. And this is exactly what I must know about everything in my life. So the people who get what they want, first of all, what? Know what they want. Secondly, they what? Write it down. And thirdly, they what? Review it frequently. So here are the three techniques for getting what you want. And these are techniques, these are ways and means that you're going to have to put to use. Know exactly what you want. Decide, see, feel, and say what you want. The old Pentecostal hymn says, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. You see, it's not enough for Jesus to be on the main line. You must what? Tell him what you want. What do you want me to do for you? The master said, that I may receive my sight. Use your power of description to get what you want. You want. You see, there is power in your describing what you want. That's why you are to know it, you are to write it down, and you are to review it frequently. I've told you one of the techniques that I've practiced over the past few months, and it's wonderful. I read all of my goals onto a tape recorder and recorded it. And I have nine auto-reverse tape recorders, and I've got it on both sides of the tape, various affirmations and so on, and I play it on the subliminal level all night, most every night. That helps me to review what I want. I don't say that I want so-and-so, I affirm that I have it. I feel that I already have it. I see that I already have it, so that I've impressed upon my subconscious mind that I already have what I want. And that's very interesting, you know, because every prayer contains the answer. Huh. Say that. Say to the person sitting next to you, your prayer contains the answer. Good to know that. Your prayer contains the answer. My mother used to sing the song, every prayer will find its answer. That's correct also, but it, it's better for me to say, my prayer contains the answer. Isn't that wonderful? If you pray a prayer for healing, that prayer contains the healing that it asks for. If you pray for prosperity, that prayer contains the prosperity that you pray for. 
I want you, this is going to help your prayer life a lot more. You see, because the moment that you pray, at the same time, you are to acknowledge the answer. Jesus said in the Gospels also that when you stand praying, believe that you receive those things that you ask for, and you shall have them. My prayer... You listening to the Divine Connection Show with your hosts Jessica and Tasia. Peace, everyone. Sorry, we're having technical difficulties, but um, welcome to the Divine Connection Show, where we want to divinely connect with you. We are your hosts, Jessica and Tasia. Um, hope everyone's doing fine out there. Um, hope everyone's having a good week. Having a good week. Put my phone on mute so it won't distract me. And um, yeah. So, how's your week, Paige? Oh, it's good. I had a good weekend. Nice family time. Yeah, your daughter had a birthday. Yeah, she had a birthday. You did it up for her. Yes, 13, so had to do something special. Yeah, and she felt special. I was my go. <laughs> yeah, um, my week is okay. Um, oh, no, feel a little, I'm just okay. My week has been good. I shouldn't say that today. And just uh, the more and more we learn about things, the more it puts a damper on my spirit, but it doesn't last long. I know how to ground and get bring myself out, but look, when new news continues to hit you, you know, you can't help but to go with the natural emotions. But, I mean, and it's the way that I look at it, like, it might be burdensome to you. You might feel like this is on you. Why is it weighing heavy on you? But it may be so you can solve a problem. Mm-hmm. So whatever you are putting your energy towards your thoughts, um, there's a solution. You can find a solution for it. Right. So that's a nice way to look at it. Um, you know, I mean, you got there's a lot that you could be thankful for. What I should be thankful for, and you know, count your blessings. So, anyway, with that being said, I do want to let people know about um, the CDC bans negative COVID tests, negative COVID 19 test requirements to all air passengers entering the United States. So, I'm just going to read to you guys. Um, what the CDC is saying um, regarding travel. It's just going to be short. Um, This isn't the bulk of what we're going to talk about tonight, but I do want to keep people in the loop for those that don't know. So the CDC is expanding the requirement for um, a negative COVID-19 test to all air passengers entering the United States. Testing before and after travel is critical is a critical layer to slow the introduction and spread of COVID-19. This strategy is consistent with the current phase of the pandemic and more effectively protects the health of Americans. Okay, so variants of the SARS-CoV-2 virus 
I guess that's what that means, um, continue to emerge in the countries around the world, and there is evidence of increased transmissibility of, all, of some of these variants. With the U.S. already in surge status, the testing requirement for, for air passengers will help slow the spread of the virus as we work to vaccinate the American public. Before departure to the United States, a required test combined with the CDC recommendations to get tested again three to five days after arrival and stay home for seven days post-travel will help slow the spread of COVID-19 within U.S. communities from travel-related infections. Pre-departure testing with results known and acted upon before travel begins will help identify infected travelers before they board airplanes. Keyword, identify infected travelers, identify. So um, it also says air passengers are required to get a viral test, in parentheses it says a test for current infection, within the three days before their flight to the U.S. departs and provide written documentation of their lab test results paper or electronic copy to the airline provide documentation of having recovered from COVID-19. Airlines must confirm the negative test results for all passengers or documentation of recovery before they board. If a passenger does not provide documentation of a negative test or recovery or chooses not to take a test, the airline must deny boarding to the passenger. So, I mean, it proceeds to say um, the director, um, Robert R. Redfield, um, doctor, medical doctor, says testing does not eliminate all risk, but when combined with a period of staying at home and everyday precautions like wearing masks and social distancing, it can make travel safer, healthier, and more responsible by reducing spread on planes and airports and destinations. So it says this order was signed by the CDC director on January 12, 2021, and will become effective January 26, 2021. So it's about to start. Um, and I just wanted you guys to know that if you're doing any kind of international travel before you can return, you must have a negative COVID-19 test done, and um, it's kind of, we don't know, like, tests have to be um, ran through a lab and things like that, so sometimes it could take, like, one day, three days, ten days to get results, so I don't know what this process is going to be like, look like, but you have to plan ahead if you do if you don't mind getting COVID tests, um, you know, um, that's all I want to say about that. Um, yeah. So just be on alert and do what you got to do and plan accordingly. And yes, that's it for me. I just wanted to let you guys know about that because that was news. Um, and it's still news that people don't know about. So starting on the 26th, 
that's when that's going to start happening. So um, some people, a lot of people have received COVID-19 tests. But, um, yeah. So what happens if you test positive? you got to stay in that country until you quarantine? How does that work? Yeah. What does that look I mean, like? That's what the CDC protocol is, I believe. So, I mean, I didn't read that. But, you know, what they say, you have to quarantine for 14 days. I assume that's what it is. But I also wanted to point out that the, um, the, health, and human, the health and Human Services announced um, the $22 billion in funding to support expanded testing, vaccination, distribution. It's a lot of money. This is a moneymaker. Yeah. It definitely has something to do with money. Yeah, absolutely. Medicine, all of that. Hospitals, yes. So, um, anyway, and lighter news. Life um, is fine overall. Oh, yeah. We've been healthy. We've never been sick. Um, Our loved ones are good. Um, the ones closest to us anyway. And, you know, we just do what we can. Make sure you're taking your herbs, your vitamins, your teas, um, the the natural remedies. Look into that stuff. Still, grow your own food. Preserve your own food. Do what you got to do. Because it's still the, the plans out here. In this world is still being devised, but you know, so far we've been victorious in the scheme. So, yes. But go ahead, Tej. Yes. So today I um, wanted to talk about uh, just life and the progression, just to have an evaluation um, of myself. I do that from time to time. Seeing where I'm at in life, um, seeing if I'm moving in the right direction. And I had just recently came out of a place where I felt that I was just not really making progress. Like, just Mm -hmm. felt like I was going through cycles that I wasn't moving more vertically it was just it seemed like I was just the same situation come back around just Mm -hmm. a circle and what appeared I what I thought appeared to be growth it was just disguised as just a sequence of that brought me back right back to the same place that I started and um you said what appeared to be growth to you? Yeah, it appeared wasn't it, it wasn't growth. Okay. It was just um after you recognize it was the same cycle going on but it, it just appeared to look different. Okay. But when I came back it just seemed that I hadn't progressed, I haven't moved forward. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that happens in life and um, what came to mind, and to me, 
is scripture in the Bible, and I want to come from Joshua 5 and 6. I'm not going to read both the chapters, but I'm referencing that uh, so you guys can um, read that if you like. But if you are familiar with um, the story of Joshua in um, the Battle of Jericho, now they were wondering for 40 years. And they were wondering, and they just came back forty years the the whole the whole time mm-hmm. and then um what they came to realize is that it was time for change, and you can recognize that in your life, like, okay, I feel like I'm going coming to it and and we need I need change in my life. And sometimes that forty year period, um, it may not be bad. It might just be time the preparation time and a time for testing, a time for waiting. So with that being said, the how the story goes they were wondering, um, they came to Jericho. God clearly told them that this will be their land, their land of milk and honey, that it was theirs. Um, after going around seven times, uh, God gave them instructions to blow the horn. Then they were victorious, and the walls came tumbling down. And that is the gist of the story. But I just want to point out that there are, in our life, there are actions that you can take um, to initiate change and to either reprogram or program your habits and your skills. Um, I don't know, is there ever, have there ever been a time where you came to realize that you needed change? All the time. Mhm. All the time. I mean, it could be something. It could be <laughs> a weekly thing, a daily thing, or you know, you can be on a, you can have a nice routine or cycle for like a month, or you know, twenty-one days, sixty-eight days, you know, however long it takes for it to become a habit, and then realize like this, you know, this isn't working for me anymore. You know, like, oh, I get up, I have to do it this way. You know, your rising routine and your resting routine. Sometimes those need tweaks, too, because it's like sometimes the the lack of luster, lack of motivation isn't there, so you have to do what you have to do. Um, yeah. And not to get comfortable. Yeah. And yourself and And just ignite growth and transformation. Mm-hmm. So I like what Reverend Ike said um, about if you want something, then write it down. You can go from writing it down, know what you want, write it down, review what you want, have that in front of your face. And to the point that your subconscious knows or feels that's what you want. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that before. Remember when we he mentioned the pictures? You know, so it was kind of like a vision, like what we do these days—a vision board. Um, yeah, we talked about that um, just a couple of days. I mean, a couple of weeks ago about the importance of writing things down or envisioning. But yeah, that all comes together. It all comes together yeah. And that's kind of like what you should do when you meditate too. You should envision seeing yourself at that place, mm-hmm. whatever that is, whatever that is for you, success or another level of success, because we are in success. We have success right now, too. So, yeah. So you come from that preparation period, that 40 days of preparation. It doesn't have to just be 40 days. It could be however long it takes for you to prepare. Go from that. Mm-hmm. To planning and actually doing. Now, I noticed in the story it it was mentioning that not everybody made it to the land of milk and honey on the journey on the way. That the people that left from Egypt they didn't make it, and uh, that happens a lot of times where there's people that won't make it with you to that place of victory, to that place of success. And even though they may have sacrificed for you to get there, even though they may have planned and set things into place, um, necessarily they may not be able to be there with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, in the story, a man, he came to Joshua, and he appeared with a sword, and Joshua was, he was, like, kind of confused, like, who are you for? Are you for us? Are you with us, or are you with our adversary? And he said, neither. He says, I am for the Lord of hosts. I'm it was a person that appeared out of nowhere to Joshua, and he didn't know who he was. And some say he was an angel. Some say he was God in human form. But um, just know that along this journey that there is supernatural beings, you know, helping you along, whether you believe it's the God in you, whether you believe it's an angel, whether you believe it's is God himself. Um, if you put your foot forward, then those energies, those guides will help you. But first you have to put in the work, the initial action to do. Yeah, you get anything without an action. It will recognize that you are actually putting in that effort. Yeah. So God gave Joshua instructions. Well, first he told him that he would be successful, that Jericho was his, and he would be victorious. So there's some things that we have to uh, fight for. Um, But God gave him instructions to march around the city once every day for six days. 
So after God assured Joshua that he and his army would be victorious, to practice affirmations with yourself in order to be successful to accomplish what you want. And then God gave him action to do. He gave him instruction to march around the city six days. And a practice that you can do in order to um, be successful in life, to accomplish what you want, after you evaluate what you don't like, write down those things that you want to improve on. Six is a significant number, and it represents imperfection. So once you realize what you need to improve on, you write down, you counteract that, counteract that with things that you need to do in order to improve in that skill in that area of your life. And uh, you should do this practice every once in a while. And you can take um, a certain time period, whether it's one, doing this each day for six days, doing this each week for six weeks, however you want to um, improve on these things. For example, I would use, um, you could say, Say you want to be a better um, public speaker. You can write down each day what you're going to work on for six days or each week what are you going to practice. Like, for example, uh, speaking in front of the mirror. You can do that. Okay, this week I'm going to make sure I practice that every day. Or the next week, week two, okay, I'm going to read a book about this week three. I'm going to listen to, throughout the week, I'm going to listen to um, popular speakers or uh, speakers that inspire me um, and just re, um, listen to them over, uh, critique them, write down what you like, take away from them what you do like. Um, and go ahead. Well, make sure you keep yourself. Yeah, but yeah, use them as a demo. I mean, you put your own style on it, but um, yeah, you're striving. Striving, yeah, and I do that with Akeem. You know, we listen to his shows, not trying to completely mimic him, but yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You got to be yourself. And um, I think that goes back to what Reverend Ike said. He says, um, just monkey see monkey do mm-hmm. somebody successful what they do okay i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna do the same thing they already wrote the blueprint just why not mm-hmm. yeah so have you tried any of these steps yes i have um as far as just public speaking or just any steps that i yeah i mean yeah mm-hmm. Is that I yeah yeah like um practicing in the mirror, um, and then also, like I say, listening, listening to different people and their delivery, their styles, how they do that. Um, well, and you naturally have a nice radio voice. So I heard. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's always uh, room for improvement. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And then, um, so once you do that, you're continually working on yourself because that's something you just actively have to do. Right. And then you become better. You become better. And then um, the next thing he told Joshua to do was um, after he marched around the city um, six days, once a day, he, he told seven priests to carry seven trumpets made of ram's horns ahead of the ark. Then on the seventh day, you march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. So seven is another significant number. And seven means perfection, maturity, and completeness. So after you have took this time period from preparation to practicing, to take an action to practicing, you come into a mature state, a state of priesthood being set apart. That's when you're set apart from just being average or mediocre to now being set apart into your priesthood. Your refined state, and mm-hmm. and then it was um, customary for um, after war to blow the trumpet of victory. And when that happens, you hear a trumpet, you can't not block that out. You're going to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's loud. It's it. It's a loud sound. That means that it solidifies your victory. That you have come to a place that it will be apparent that not just your actions, but it will be shown, it will manifest, and you can't not help, people cannot help not to see that you came to this place That's of refinement. Place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, one, you have to prepare. Two, you have to Define what you want to do after you evaluate what you need to do. Take action to it with the help of your guides. And well, basically, look for your guides or you know, pray and do what you need to do. Um, it's like I go within, right? And I know my guides are there, my ancestors. The angels, you know, I know they're there because you could, you, you just can hear, like, I can hear my ancestors sometimes, like, telling me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I can even give you a simple example, like, when it comes to, like, cooking or something. And, like, I'm trying to make my mom's macaroni and cheese. And it's like, okay, I hear her voice in my head, like, directing me, like, okay, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Even if she instilled it in me before, mm-hmm. or even if she's trying to tell me something yeah. new. Mm-hmm. Good example. And, uh, Sorry, you went down the list yeah. on. So we, we have our guide to help us, to guide us, and then yeah, we take mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Practice, we work on our skills 
until we come to a place of maturity and perfection, not as perfection as completeness, and then sound of victory, the solidification of the outward manifestation of you becoming complete. Complete. I like that. I hope you guys took notes because that was those were nice gems. Felt divine. Right on time. I mean, because we always need something new to apply, or sometimes things just hit differently. So, like your what you got today, or what you brought forth, what you shared today, um, touches us in different ways, you know, and it's probably like, oh, yeah, I could do more in this area because this area over here I've been slacking on, you know. So it's just like sometimes you just need that simple reminder to reel it in. We all know these things, but we need to apply them, and sometimes we need to apply them differently or in a different time um, in our lives. But, yeah, that was pretty good. Bless God. <laughs> yeah, so um like I said, I hope people um I hope it resonated with you guys. Um hope people took notes. If not, you can always re listen. And um that pretty much does that's it. Open the line for questions if anybody has questions mm-hmm. or comments or comment or something um, they want to share. Yeah, we can open the lines up for now. And but while we're doing that, I mean, you guys can hit one if you want to say something. But um, just wanted to just make the regular announcement for um, Sundays. We have independent thinkers. The show independent. Independent Thinkers with Beth at 7. And on Mondays at 7, we have Bun Bay. And Tuesdays, we have Truth Tuesdays with Akeem at 7. Wednesdays, we have Solomon's Temple at 10 a.m. And then every Thursday, it's us, the Divine Connection Show at 7 p.m. And... Hope I'm not missing anything. Always visit our website, jtmuse.com. We had a little glitch recently, but um, things seem to be working. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was working fine before. It was just like something going on with our website. But anyway, yeah, check us out there. We have an ebook, we have the vaccine um, exemption templates, we have several templates and webinars on there so jtmuse.com j-t-m-u-s-e and yeah so hope peace love prosperity blessings everything to you all have a great rest of the week and we will see you guys talk to you guys again next week peace have a good night peace We now continue our study in the series, Control Your Luck, treating upon the idea of how to control your life, 
your luck, and your circumstances. The title of today's lesson is an interrogatory sentence. Dumb luck or science? And repeat the question after me. Dumb luck, Dumb luck. Or, science. or science? Which am I going to live by? And in this lesson, I'm giving you a three-part technique for getting what you want. The first text is from the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, the second chapter, the second verse. And I want you to repeat it after me. Thunder it back at me, in fact, as I shall read it. And the Lord answered me, and, the Lord answered me, and, said, and said, write the vision. Make it plain. Write the vision. Make it plain. Write your dreams. Write your good desires. Write what you want to be. To do and to have. Make it plain. Write your, goals. Write your goals. Make them plain. The next text is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter, the 51st verse. These are the words of Jesus to the blind man that I love to talk about with a fair degree of regularity. A blind man who was crying after Jesus as he passed by in a great healing and blessing crusade. He had heard that there's a man going around making the lame walk, the dumb talk, the blind to see, and the deaf to hear. One day he heard this great noise. He heard a great crowd. And he said to those around him, well, what is all of this noise that I hear? What is all of this rejoicing that I hear? I believe I hear some hallelujahs. I believe I hear some glory to God. What is all of this? They said to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to hush him up, but he was the one that had the need. And as they tried to hush him up, he cried the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But he really wasn't being very specific. Finally, Jesus said, bring him over here. Jesus said these words that we're reading for our text. These four words I choose from Jesus' response to the blind man who cried for mercy. And I'm going to have you thunder them back at me. What, what? Do, do you, you want? want? What do you want? What do you want? Now, I want you to say it word by word. What do I want? Again, what do I want? All right. When you get home, take a whole piece of paper and let that be the heading. What do I want? And we're talking about living by science rather than by dumb luck. Learn how to live not by dumb luck, but by science and knowledge. Knowledge of the law, the Lord, the law of mind, the word of God. 
You don't have to live by dumb luck. So say with me, I don't have to live by dumb luck. Now, you know, the people who really depend on luck, they really don't want to take responsibility for making their lives what they want it to be. They don't want to take responsibility for themselves, but you can live by science, by knowing. The word science comes from the original Greek word, ginoski, or ginoski, which means to know. You can know what you want, and you can know how to get it, how to be it, to do it, and to have it. And that's what we're talking about today. I discovered some very interesting statistics. 75% of the people do not know what they want. I have discovered that perhaps the most confusing question to ask a person is, what do you want? I sometimes on somebody who's complaining. Well, things are not going right. I don't have this. I don't have that. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that, but things didn't work out. Blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Well, just stop and cut right through and say, well, what do you want? I told you this some time ago. We were at a very luxurious French restaurant in Beverly Hills, and there were several people sitting at the table with me. And they brought out those big menus with some of everything on it that heart could desire. And one young man sat there and looked at that menu that had every suggestion almost imaginable on it. And finally, when it was his time to give his order, and the captain said to him, what do you want? He looked up bewildered and said, I don't know what I want. I want every one of you to know that life hands you a menu. Say with me, the menu of life is in my hand. Say it again, the menu of life is in my hand. And you see, God has placed the menu of life in your hand. Somewhere in the Old Testament, God says, Behold, I set before you both good and evil, death and life. And Joshua said, What? Choose you this day. I say the greatest cause for people not getting what they want is that they do not make a direct choice, a definite, positive choice. The menu of life is in your hand. And Jesus said to the blind man in the text we just read, What do you want that I should do unto you? I hear you praying. You see, that's another thing. Prayer that is not definite and positive is not good enough. It's a beautiful habit to go to church and, and to practice your various religious rituals that help you. But you must have a sense of direction. What are you doing it for? It isn't even enough to call Jesus unless you know your purpose. See, even the blind man was praying without a specific purpose stated. Except for mercy, which is rather general. We all need it every once in a while. But you've got to be specific because you can't eat mercy for breakfast. As I say, mercy is good. We all need it. And Jesus was really saying to the man who was praying, have mercy on me. He was really saying to him, man, you ain't said nothing yet. In the text, Jesus brought the man to a point of decision, a point of choice. And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. 
And the Bible said, then Jesus touched his eyes and he received his sight. But he didn't get his prayers answered until he became definite and positive. Seventy-five percent of the people don't know what they want. This is a pathetic class who is dependent upon dumb luck. Well, I hope my luck holds out. And you look at other people who are definite and positive and who work toward what they want, both mentally and otherwise, and say, I wish I was that lucky. <laughs> lucky? You've got to be definite and positive in your choice. Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter and the 15th verse. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. In other words, the menu of life is in your hand. Say that. The menu of life is in my hand. It's all set before you. You can be poor or you can be rich. If you want to be poor, don't blame anybody else. Just go on and be poor and don't complain. I'll never forget at Lovely Hill Baptist Church when I was a little boy. Lady sang the song, You've got to live forever somewhere either with the angels in heaven or the demons in hell. I made my choice. And I thought about that, and I think about that from time to time. Whenever fear or irritation or aggravation or negative emotions come to my mind. You see, because the demons in hell are not under the ground. The demons in hell are right in your mind. The heaven and hell are in you. You can choose either one. And I decide right there, I am not going to live with the demons of fear. I'm not going to live with the demons of irritation and aggravation. I'm going to live with the angels in heaven. And who are the angels? They're God's thoughts in the mind. The thoughts of good, thoughts of health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, yes, and that good old money. That's what I'm going to live with. And you see, every man, every mind has to live forever somewhere. The choice is yours. You've got to make a choice. What do you want? Well, I would like to be prosperous, but get your butt out of the way. And that's what people have been doing. They've been just butting their good away from them. Pick up that tape out before you go home by Reverend Ike. Get your butt out of the way and make a decision. Live by science, not by dumb luck. Now, here's another 15% of the people who know what they want, but they don't write it down. They're too busy working their butts off to work their minds. But to work the behind without working the mind is not very productive. That is so good, I'm going to say it again. Are you with me? Repeat it after me. To work the behind without working the mind is not very productive. Do I remember? I don't have time to write it down. You'd better stop and write it down. Now, there are 7% of the people who know what they want and they write it down. And the upper 3% of the people who get what they want do three things. If you want to be successful, study successful people and practice monkey see, monkey do. And that's all right as long as monkey sees the right thing and monkey does the right thing. You just be sure that monkey sees the right thing and that monkey does the right thing. And I'm a believer in studying successful people, prosperous people, happy people. 
and to go behind that and said, hey, what principles is this person? What are the principles this person is using? You see, because it's not just dumb luck, there's principle behind it. The upper 3% of the people who get what they want do three things. Number one, what? They know what they want. People who go out to drill oil wells, there is no doubt about it. They know exactly what they want. I read the one time that most people are definite and positive is just usually when they go to the bathroom. Why? Because they know exactly what they have went to do. There's no doubt about it. They know exactly what their purpose is. So you think about this every time. You see, you can use that experience. <laughs> so that's a mundane experience. But it's a mundane experience that you can make something positive out of from now on. Every time you go there, it says, now I know exactly what I've come here to do. And this is exactly what I must know about everything in my life. So the people who get what they want, first of all, what? Know what they want. Secondly, they what? Write it down. And thirdly, they what? Review it frequently. So here are the three techniques for getting what you want. And these are techniques, these are ways and means that you are going to have to put to use. Know exactly what you want. Decide, see, feel, and say what you want. The old Pentecostal hymn says, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. You see, it's not enough for Jesus to be on the main line. You must what? Tell him what you want. What do you want me to do for you? The master said, that I may receive my sight. Use your power of description to get what you want. You see, there is power in your describing what you want. That's why you are to know it, you are to write it down, and you are to review it frequently. I've told you one of the techniques that I've practiced over the past few months, and it's wonderful. I read all of my goals onto a tape recorder and recorded it. And I have nine auto-reverse tape recorders, and I've got it on both sides of the tape, various affirmations and so on, and I play it on the subliminal level all night, most every night. That helps me to review what I want. I don't say that I want so-and-so, I affirm that I have it. I feel that I already have it. I see that I already have it. So that I've impressed upon my subconscious mind that I already have what I want. And that's very interesting, you know, because every prayer contains the answer. Huh. Say that. Say to the person sitting next to you, your prayer contains the answer. Good to know that. Your prayer contains the answer. My mother used to sing the song, every prayer will find its answer. That's correct also, but it, it's better for me to say, my prayer contains the answer. Isn't that wonderful? If you pray a prayer for healing, that prayer contains the healing that it asks for. If you pray for prosperity, that prayer contains the prosperity that you pray for. I want you, this is going to help your prayer life a lot more. You see, because the moment that you pray, at the same time, you are to acknowledge the answer. Jesus said in the Gospels also that when you stand praying, believe that you receive those things that you ask for, and you shall have them. 
My prayer contains the answer. Again? All right. So know what you want. Somebody is saying, yes, but Reverend Ike, are we supposed to be choosy? Yes, you are supposed to be choosy. And I think sometimes in childhood, maybe some of our parents misindoctrinated us by saying, don't be so choosy. How many of you have ever had that said to you, don't be so choosy? And you see, you've got to reverse all of that conditioning. I'm saying to you, be choosy. You see, because if you don't choose for yourself, the world will choose for you. If you don't choose to be rich, the world will choose for you to be poor. If you don't choose to be well, the world has chosen some delicious diseases for you to show you what the average people have happened to them. This is why you must choose. You see, when you make a choice, you take yourself out of the hands of dumb luck. I'm going to say that again and repeat it after me. When I choose, I take myself out of the hands of dumb luck. Think about that. Think about that. But I want to be redundant about this part. Now, if you don't choose, somebody else is going to choose for you. The world will choose for you. You give your power of choice away. So be choosy. Be choosy about everything that you want to be, to do, and to have. I'm not talking about being choosy about somebody else's stuff. Like I had somebody who worked for me one time, looked at one of my diamond rings and said, I choose to have that ring right there. I said, don't choose my stuff, you choose your own. <laughs> you don't go around claiming other people's stuff, claim your own. Use your power of description to get what you want. And number two, write down what you want. This helps to impress it upon the subconscious mind. This helps to organize your good desire. Oh, I wish you would work with it as you've never worked with it before. Very often I would have reporters and interviewers say to me, well, Reverend Ike, why do you ask people to write you their prayer requests if you already know what they need and what they want? Well, first of all, I admit, I know what everybody wants. That's why I came up with the old cliche, health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Now, anything that anybody wants is included there somewhere, right? I've discovered that within that spectrum, also, you can find just about everybody's problem, like I told you about Tiny before. I just discovered after I talked with her a few minutes what she needed. She just needed some money, and she just finally came and said it. So you've got to come to that point of knowing exactly what you want and get a piece of paper and write your desires and your choices, and that will help to impress it upon the subconscious mind. It helps to organize your good desire. Now, I like the word also organize. Say that. Because you see, an organized mind works efficiently. Like this business of knowing what you want for just a moment. The moment you decide what you want, you start the process to working. Every time you make a decision, something happens. Every time you make a choice, something happens. The process begins. But until you make the choice, God doesn't even know what to do for you. Like somebody might have criticized Jesus when he asked the blind man, what do you want? He says, well, he was Jesus, he was God, he was God's son. Shouldn't he know what the man wants? It only goes to show you that God is always urging us to say what we want, to use the power of the scripture. I got a lovely testimony card, for example, to help demonstrate this sermon. And this testimony here that she received a notice that the landlord wanted her apartment that she was living in and wanted it in a hurry. And so she said, I needed a three-bedroom apartment immediately. In my offering envelope, I wrote apartment. 
In one month, I had a three-bedroom apartment. Write the vision, make it plain. Say that. Write the vision, make it plain. She said something very interesting also. She went to the post office and picked up a registered dispossessed notice and got back home and the phone rang. When she got back with that letter and said, come over here, I've got a three-bedroom apartment for you. And she had written what she wanted. So write what you want because it clarifies the situation to you. It clarifies the situation so that divine mind power will know just how to work it out. It impresses it upon the subconscious and organizes your good desire. Number three, the third technique for getting what you want. Review it frequently. This keeps the mind moving on course. That's very important. Now, you've got to be careful when you choose what you want, when you write what you want, and when you review it. Write what you want in such a way that it states you already have it. Oh, this is so important. Write what you want in a way that states you already have it. Do not write what you want in any way that infers that you don't have it. Do not write, I wish I had some money. That is a prayer that says you don't have it. How does God identify itself? God identifies itself as I am, not I wish. Not I will be, not I was, not I wish I had. I wish I had is not God. I am, present tense, is God. I want to say this again because if I could get just one subtle thing over to you, you're going to have a new experience in prayer. When you write what you want, write it in a way which implies that you already have it. And I'm going to use, I guess, what has become just about my favorite Bible verse again. I think I talk about it every time I get up here. The Bible says in the language of the mystic, let the weak say, I wish I was strong. You getting the point now? Let the weak say what? I am strong. Never pray or state your good desire in a way that indicates that you don't have it. Say that you do have it. Whenever a physical problem presents itself to me, my standard prayer is this. God in me is my good health. Let's hear it. God in me is my good health. So you see, now as you're going to go home, you're going to go home and you're going to take that sheet of paper. You're going to write on the top, what do I want? And then you're going to write what you want in such a way that implies that you already have it. If you want money, what are you going to say? I am plenty money. I am surplus money. You're not going to say, I wish I had. You see what goes wrong with some people's prayer? Be careful what you tell the subconscious. Let the weak say, I am. And then review it. You see, because that divine listener within you keeps listening, that power of hearing, it just keeps listening, and it is going to believe and bring to pass whatever you say. He shall have whatsoever he said. 
Again, he shall have whatsoever he says. I shall have whatsoever I say. Again, I shall have whatsoever I say. I say what? I say that I have. Now, this will help you better also to understand the words of Jesus. To him that hath, to him it shall be given. Say that. To him that hath, it shall be given. Say it again. To him that hath, it shall be given. The third time. To him that hath, to him it shall be given. Only the person who already has it can get it. You are not going to get it until you've got it. Got it? Stop thinking about that for a moment. Some people wonder, well, how come I'm always praying and I don't ever get nothing? Because you haven't got it. You're not going to get it until you've got it. Isn't that a paradox? And when you get it, you'll have it. <laughs> get it? Got it? Stop trying to get it until you've got it. What do you mean, Reverend Ike? Get it in your mind. When you get it in your mind, you've got it. To him that hath, to him it shall be given. Life only gives to those who've got it. Got it where? In the mind. In the feeling nature. That's another way to say it. And this is very important. You get it with your mind. You get it with your feeling nature. You have to have the feeling of having it. I want money? Okay, how would I feel if I had plenty of money? Ask that question. All right, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to give you a line to put on your description of what you want when you work with it at home. I'm going to give you the one for money. I see and feel myself always having surplus money. What is it? I see and feel myself always having surplus money. Again, I see and feel myself always having surplus money. And then you see you begin to act like you got it and feel like you got it and start acting like the Pentecostals when they get the Holy Ghost. When you get it in your mind, when you feel like you've got it, when you say you got it, when you're praising God that you've already got it, then it shall be given unto you. Miracles will happen. But you're not going to get it until you've got it in your mind, in your feeling. And so everything that you want, I suggest that you, when you write down what you want, when you write the vision, that you say, I see and feel myself with such and such. I see and feel myself being such and such. I see and feel myself doing such and such. But I suggest you use the words what? See and feel. Because the Bible says does what? Says what? Write the vision. What's a vision? A vision is something you see in your mind. Is that right? A vision is something that you see with the eyes of the mind, with the eyes of the soul. All right. Let's do some work on this because the rest of this work you've got to do at home. You've got to do it alone. I like that pretty good. You're not going to get it until you've got it. You see, that's why things are so hard to get sometimes. That's why things are so hard to accomplish sometimes, because people are trying to get them and they haven't got them. So decide what you want. Write it down. Write it on paper. Write it in your mind. Write it in your heart. 
Write that you've got it. Say that you've got it. See that you've got it. Feel that you've got it. And it isn't always well to tell everybody. Don't be a blabbermouth. You get enough static as it is, you don't need to go asking. Don't go running down the street shouting, I am rich, I am rich. The mugger may get the wrong idea. You can't always tell your best friends the things that you've got written in your heart and in your mind. You can't always tell your family, especially aunt. I wish I'd remembered what publication it was, but uh, this, there's a lady that turned out to be a resounding success in a certain field. I'll find it and find out the exact specifics. And she said, the reason I was able to do this was because my grandmother, my father's mother, she said, always told me when I was a little girl, you are never going to amount to anything. Now, I told you, you don't tell your kids that. That's dangerous. That's bad self-image psychology. She said she never forgot that. She made it up in her mind. I'm going to show her. So when people doubt you, when people try to talk you down, what are you going to say? I'm going to show them. But you see, somebody else would have let that hinder them. When you write the vision in your heart of the good that you desire to be, to do, and to have, don't go blabbering it to everybody because some of your good kin folks will talk you out of it. How many of you ever told somebody some good desire you had in your heart and they just jumped on you with both hands and feet? Let's see your hand. You ever had that happen? No, you can't do that. No, you can't be that. I worked at many jobs while I was growing up. I worked officially, I think, first when I was nine years of age. Every Friday I had this job. And among the things I did, I scrubbed from the back steps down the front steps of this lady's house. And I don't think she washed a dish during the week. <laughs> to this day, I, I've got a few hang-ups, and one is washing dishes. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to wash one. I'm not talking about washing a whole, but I don't like to wash.